If you've been with us, we've been going through the book of Acts. Um, And in the book of Acts, we've kind of almost ran into like a series within a series. There was this section of scripture where a lame man is healed by Peter and John. He's radically and drastically changed. Um, He goes from being lame to being able to walk. He goes um, from being lame to being able to leap, and and he's praising God. And, And everybody notices, like this is a guy who's been laying at the gate for long periods of time. Uh, he's over 40. So he's been laying at the gate, and he's radically and drastically changed, and people take notice. And people notice, and like, well, they're amazed, they're astonished. And so it opens up the door, and if you've been with us, these are some of the things that we've talked through, and that Peter um, gives this pr- message. He preaches, he preaches about Jesus and the difference that Jesus makes in life and he, in our lives, and he challenges and encourages people to put their trust and faith in Christ. And, and a huge group of people, 5,000 men, put their hope and trust in Christ. And so we see that some believe, but some people reject it, and they're even thrown in jail for teaching the name of Jesus. And so I, I kept, as I, as I got into this this week, I kept thinking, can I really imagine what it would be like if I came up here and I'm just preaching a message, and the authorities came and took me and threw me in jail for me doing what I'm doing right now? And that's what happened to Peter and John. And then they get this opportunity to testify to, like, the council. And so they're telling about Jesus, and they're bold there again. But then they're warned, do not teach about Jesus anymore. They're charged not to teach about Jesus anymore, and they're threatened that if they do teach about Jesus, bad things will come. And so I started thinking for me, and I started thinking for really, in all honesty, all of us here, if we were um, charged, if we were challenged, if we were threatened to not speak about Jesus— would that be hard for us? Or is it like, well, I don't really speak about them now anyway, so if I was charged and challenged and threatened not to, it probably wouldn't be any difference. But for me, as I kept thinking through that this week, I kept thinking, uh, even as Kevin shared last week and said, opposition will come. Would I still want to do this if I was being threatened, if I was thrown in jail and away from my wife and away from my kids, would I keep going wanting to preach this? And I got to be honest with you today, I feel like I'm not going to necessarily really preach the text in as much as share what God just kind of took me behind the woodshed this week and just opened up my eyes to the fact that I think if I'm really honest, if I was facing deep persecution I would probably not want to be as vocal. And it was humbling this week for me. And if I think if all of us in this room are honest, I think that this text is going to be humbling to all of us. Our text for today is um, Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. Um, We're going to go ahead and read it. Um, But again, Peter and John thrown in jail. They're challenged. They're threatened. And then this is what happens. When they were released, so it's like kind of the next day and they're let go. They're released from jail after being threatened, after being um, charged, um, after being warned not to teach anymore. So they're released and they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Why do the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, 
there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand, excuse me, whatever your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon the, their threats and grant to you or your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. God, I know I come in here uh, seeking to be open and honest and real that boldness is something I can struggle with. I feel certain that for a vast majority of us in this room, that being bold about Christ is not always easy for us. Whether it's at work, whether it's with a neighbor, whether it's even with our spouse or even with our kids, oftentimes being bold does not come easy. God, I pray that you'd open our hearts to receive your word and that through your word, you would convict us, you would challenge us, you would change us, and you would make us more like the people you would call us to be. God, I also thank you that in the midst of um, the conviction that I've felt over this week, I have been overwhelmed by your grace as well. So God, help me to communicate those things the way that you would want me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so they're released. But again, can you imagine you're in jail? Jail's not comfortable, um, I would assume. I have not been there. Um, but I would assume jail's not very comfortable. I would assume that the feeling of being warned and challenged and threatened would not be this comfortable thing. And if you really think about it, it was just, just, about a, just over a month before that when they saw Jesus taken, a trial by night, and then murdered and now those same people, because you're teaching about him, have taken you captive. I can't imagine that they weren't thinking, are they going to kill us? What are they going to do? What types of things are going to happen if we continue to do this? And, but they're released from jail, and, and they immediately go to their friends. And they go to this group of people that are their friends, and they have to be people, you know, maybe some of the original disciples. Maybe it's some of that original 120 followers at the very beginning of the book of Acts, which were their, um, the men and the women and the brothers of Christ. And, but they go to this group of people who are their friends, and they basically tell, this is what happened, guys. We were in jail. We were thrown in jail, and this is what we said, and this is what happened. And they threatened us, and they warned us, and, and, and something, we, God spoke through us, and we weren't just our kind of cowardice selves, but they saw something different in us. They saw that we had been with Jesus. But, but they're presenting this, and I can't help but think if they are at all like me. I think that we, we can look at the original disciples and feel like they're just like these amazing people who always did the right thing. And that's not always the case if you really read through the gospel. So I can't help but think there had to have been some aspect of them that maybe in their flesh wanted to give up. Maybe in their flesh thought, but they go to their friends, and their friends say to them, um, listen, God is in control. And God is the one who, who, has, who has led us, who is leading us. And opposition is going to come. But let's trust and obey the Lord. Let's, let's listen to the Holy Spirit. 
And so I, that's what I picture is going on in this. And I think whenever you read the Bible and you see a bunch of theys and theirs, and it's, it's easy to kind of be like, okay, who's the they here and who's the this they? And, and as I was reading it, I saw it a little bit different. And so I want to read it um, in a little bit of a different way than, than what we just naturally read it. When, whenever it says they, I think there's two different sets of they, or three different sets. One is just Peter and John. One is they being their friends. And one is all of them together. And so I think if you read this text and you say, when they, Peter and John, were released from jail, they, Peter and John, went to, to their friends and reported what happened. And when their friends heard it, their friends lifted their voices together to God, said, Sovereign Lord, etc. And then down at the bottom, it says, and when they, I think the they is their friends. When their friends prayed for them, the place shook where they were. And I, I can't help but think that in some aspect, Peter and John were maybe a little bit hesitant to want to keep teaching it. Maybe they didn't say it, maybe they didn't act it, but they, I think that they maybe thought it. And the reason, maybe I'm putting me on them too much because I can tell you that if I was thrown in jail, there would be a hesitancy in me to want to keep teaching the message. I think most of us, if we were thrown in jail, we would have hesitancy. And the reason why I said it is because many of us probably even, we feel like compelled that we should share Jesus with people at work, and yet we kind of don't because we feel like, well, what will my work environment be if I, if I say this? And I, I don't think that we naturally are people who are bold. And so maybe I'm putting too much on Peter and John here, but I think that what's going on is there's... The, they're coming back having just been put in jail. And I think that God is using their friends to push and to challenge and to encourage them, saying, God is in control. Opposition is going to come. And so I, as I was reading it this week, I really put myself in, in their shoes, and I thought, who is it that I listen to? Do I truly listen to the Spirit leading me, or do I listen to my flesh? Do I really listen to those friends that God has put in my life to challenge and to push and to encourage me to listen to the Lord, or do I listen to what the world around me is telling me? And I was reminded of this um, story. Those of you who know me know I love stories, and so I want to tell you a, a story. I, when I was a kid, um, I played select soccer. I was, I was really good. Um, I'm just kidding. That sounded prideful. Um, but I was pretty good at soccer, okay? So I played soccer, and I loved playing soccer. And then... Um, uh, too long of a story, but I got kicked off the select team. Um, wasn't always a Christian. Uh, I got kicked off the select team, and I decided I wanted to play intramural soccer. Well, the, the competition from select soccer to intramural soccer was much, much different. And so my dad was my coach, and I played intramural soccer, and I had heard that when you scored three goals in a game, it's called a hat trick. And so I thought, man, I should just get a hat trick every game. And again, the competition wasn't very good, so I would just take the ball down and score, take the ball down and score. And every game I would score three goals, pretty much. And it wasn't because I was that good, it was just the competition wasn't as good as what I was used to. And so one particular game, we're playing this team, and they're horrible. They were just absolutely horrible. And I had decided after my third goal that I wanted to keep going. And so I scored a fourth goal and a fifth goal, and I was like, you know what? A double hat trick. That would be, that would be really cool. Well, my dad, who was my coach, had a different plan. My dad, seeing that we were up 7 nothing, and it was like the first quarter, that we should let off. Uh, I didn't feel the same. I felt like we have their, our foot on their neck. Let's keep on going. And so my dad puts me in goalie. 
And I remember just being so mad. Like, I did not want to play defense. I want to play offense. But there I am in goalie. And again, not to be mean to the other team, but they were horrible. They didn't even bring the ball down to the other side. So I'm just stuck in goalie for three quarters. And it's like fourth quarter. They finally get a little bit of a breakaway. And they're coming. And like, they tap the ball right to me as the goalie. So there I am like, what do I do? And I think my dad could see it in my eyes. And, and those of you who know my dad, he comes here a lot when he's in town. And he sits back there. And my dad seems like just this quiet guy. He comes up to the mic and he's crying. And so you think that he's kind of this, you know, he's not this super tough guy. Oh, I started dribbling that ball. Brian! I, just, I set the ball down and I just started dribbling. And, and he knew immediately what was getting ready to happen. So as I'm going down the field the entire time, Brian! Get back in goalie. What are you doing? Just screaming, screaming at me. But I wanted a double hat trick. So from goalie, I'm dribbling down. I pass the defenders. I pass about mid, midfield. The screaming has gotten to a level that is just, even all the players on my team are like, please just pass the ball. Get back in goalie. Your dad's going to kill you. You know, so, but... I wanted a double hat trick. So I dribble all the way down, kick the ball, score the sixth goal, boom, out of the game. Um, rightly so, I was benched for quite a while after that stunt I pulled, but not before I got the double hat trick. But I was thinking about that story and how much that is so much like my relationship with the Lord oftentimes. Who is it that I'm listening to? Am I listening to the coach, like God the Father? Am I listening to the Spirit's guidance, guiding me because he has this perfect plan for what's happening and, and he's, he's challenging and encouraging me to teach, to talk to someone, to be bold? Or am I listening to my flesh who says, you know what, it would be much better if I did what I wanted to do. Do I listen to, to my teammates who are saying, listen to the coach, listen to the coach? Or do I listen to my own desires, my, my heart, my flesh, my desire for comfort, my desire to not have these relationships where maybe I'm bold with somebody about Jesus because what's going to happen with that relationship? And as I was reading this text this week, there's so much more. We could, I could preach this text 10 times probably, but, but what I kept coming back to is a conviction in my heart that I so often listen to my flesh rather than to the Spirit. Um, I don't pray for boldness. And if I'm honest, I don't want to pray for boldness. And I think that that's where probably all of us, in some way, shape, or form, sit here today. We don't know if we even want to be bold about who Jesus is. Or maybe there are settings where we, where we want to be, but other settings where we just kind of shrink a little bit in fear. That's what I found as I was reading this text. For me, I, I started thinking, you know what? If something bad happens in my life, but it leads to good for the name of Christ, in a way, I treat that like it was a loss. Does that make sense? If something bad happens in my life, like if I'm Peter and John, I got thrown in jail. Yeah, 500 people came to know the Lord, but I'm stuck in jail. I would feel like there was a loss, that there was something bad had happened. On the contrary, I think in my life, if something really good happened in my life, but it didn't necessarily do anything for the name of Christ, I view that as a win. 
If somebody came to me and said, hey, you get a raise, here's an extra $1,000. When? It doesn't necessarily do anything for the name of Christ, but for me, it feels like it's a win, it's a gain. And I think that what happens is we as believers, we oftentimes look for only situations where good happens in my life and then also good happens in God for God, and it's a win-win situation. And we live our lives looking for these win-win situations. God gets to win and I get to win. This is great. But when I read this text, what I see is that Peter and John lost and the name of Christ won, and they viewed it a win. And that just, just stomped on me. Because I think if all of us in this room are honest, we want good for the name of Christ, but we don't want it at the cost of it not being something that we perceive to be good in our own lives. We don't want to go to jail. We don't want to have that awkward relationship at work. We don't want those things to happen. So we're not bold, oftentimes. But here they are. They're praying for boldness. They're lifting their voices together, and they're praying for boldness, despite having just been thrown in jail. And if you were here last week, Kevin shared this, the Greek word that's translated to boldness here, excuse me, is a confidence, being being free and fearless, that they had this, the Spirit inspired them to have confidence despite or in spite of danger or threat. And I think that if we're honest, that we, we don't, we're not very bold people. That we, if, especially if there's danger, even if it's just the danger of people thinking differently of me. Like, oh, I don't want, I don't know about you, but I don't want people to be like, oh, that's just that weird Jesus freak who's always talking about Jesus. Like, I don't want that in my life, if I'm honest. But yet, I think God does totally call us to being open and willing and ready to share the good news for the hope that is in us. And as I was reading this, I, I kept thinking to the fact that so often I'm like me in that soccer game where I'm listening to, um, I'm listening to my flesh, what I want rather than listening to the Spirit. And I kept thinking about several different verses. Romans 8.5, it says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. I so often am setting my, my mind and my heart on the things of the flesh. Just after that, Romans 8, 7, it says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And I thought of Galatians 5, 16 and 17, it says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other. And so when I'm walking in the flesh, I'm walking opposed to God. I'm wanting good for me rather than good for Him. Or I'm wanting, well, I want good for you as long as it is good for me as well. And so um, then I came across this verse that I almost felt like it was Peter who is used in this text, who's thrown in jail. And I feel like it is Peter that is used to say, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh which wage war against your soul. 
And I truly feel like as I was reading this text and as I was studying, like there was this, there's this war going on inside of me. There's a war that's going inside of you. Is do we live for our flesh, for the comforts of this life? First uh, John 2.15 is a verse that I absolutely love. I would encourage everyone to memorize it. First John 2.15 says, All that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride and possessions. And the world and its passions are fading away. And I can tell you that so often I'm living my life desiring the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh, and pride and possessions. But I felt like in this text I'm, I'm hearing Peter say to me, challenging me and encouraging me, saying, I urge you to abstain from the passions of your flesh. Basically, listen to the Spirit. And I think that what's so cool about this text is they get released from jail, they go to their friends, and their friends are, that's exactly what their friends are saying. And it's like Peter, in that verse, is sharing what his friend shared with him when he got released from jail and he came back and he stood there before his friends and they said, God is in control. God is, is so amazing and so powerful. He's allowing this opposition to happen, but he has a purpose for it. This text has definitely been a convicting text for me this week and eye-opening because I see what they did in the midst of threats, in the midst of opposition, and I see what, at the very least, I do in my heart when I'm facing oppositions or challenges. And I saw a huge difference. And as I said before, I don't think that I'm often very bold. I might be here. And there's times when I have a client and I feel like God's just leading me to say some things, to be bold, to share who Jesus is and what he's like. And there's times where I do, and, but there's a lot of times where I don't. I don't think that I often am someone who is bold. And I can tell you this, I don't pray for boldness. I, I, I think um, you never want to pray for patience because God will give opportunities for you to learn patience. But I feel like it's the same thing with boldness. The reason why I don't want to pray for boldness is because I know that it's going to take me out of my flesh. We have a lot of teachers here. If you are crazy bold at school, what might happen? You might lose your job. If I'm crazy bold with a client, what might happen? I might lose this sale. I might lose the deal. What if we're really bold with those people that we've been friends with for dozens and dozens and dozens of years? We might lose that relationship, right? And so I think that I know I am guilty of not being bold and not even being willing to pray for boldness. And I think that if we're honest, that's where we all in some way, shape, or form sit. There's those family members that we probably just feel like we just need to keep our mouth shut. Just no, don't rock the boat. And maybe that's true. There are times where I think God tells us to just keep our mouth shut. But there's probably other times where if we're listening to the Spirit rather than to our flesh, He's leading us to be open to share. Um, I think if I'm honest, I oftentimes pray more for things that will comfort me, pray for more for things that, um, um, for my flesh. An example is, rather than saying, God, thank you for this opportunity where there's this opposition, I'm praying, God, don't let them oppose me. And I think what happens is, is oftentimes we want to steer clear of a trial rather than ask God to prepare us to enter in through the trial. 
And I kept thinking of James and in 1 Peter where, where they're talking about the testing of our faith. And in James, it says, count it all joy when you meet trials, various kinds of trials. Why? Because it tests our faith. And when our faith is tested, what happens? It leads to steadfastness and make us perfect, lacking nothing. But if you're like me, I don't want my faith to be tested. It makes me think again of 1 Peter, where Peter is speaking and he says, For a little while, if necessary, you may be grieved with various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith is tested. Um, I think that um, the testing of our faith is so good because it reveals something in our hearts. This week, what God revealed in my heart is that I desire Brian's comfort more than the name of Christ to be shared and proclaimed oftentimes. And I think that that's where we all can be. So, I have a couple takeaways. As I read this text and as God convicted me and kind of smacked me around a little bit, revealing my heart to, to him, um, I think that I, I kind of came to the thought of, you know, I don't pray often for boldness, and this sounds weird, but right now I want to pray that I would be willing to pray for boldness. Because I don't think I really want to. So I, I think I really need to pray that I would be willing to get to a point in that. And I think it's kind of that whole, that um, uh, he must increase, I must decrease verse. I think that, that there needs to be that happening in my life. And I think me getting on my knees before the Lord saying, God, I'm not willing to say, help me be bold, but God, help me want to be bold. Um, and I think that oftentimes we, when we struggle with being bold, I think that it's almost kind of take steps and God will, will continue to grow it in us. Um, I don't really like the fake it till you make it type of a philosophy, but I think that there is a piece of that. If, if we begin to walk in boldness, God is also going to change our heart to want to make us a little bit more bold. And so no matter where you are, I think there's people in this room who you probably have been very bold. There's probably people who maybe you've never talked about God outside of a couple people. There's probably people in this room who maybe you're married and you and your spouse, you never talk about God. You never pray together. You never, like that would be really weird and, and what, I, I don't know about that. And So I think some steps of boldness. And so for me, as I was reading, I was thinking, I need to begin to just start to walk out boldness as I'm praying, God, make me desire to be bold. And so if you're in that same boat, I think your testimony what has God done in your life? Has God made any type of difference in your life? And if so, what was it? Like I think to take time to write it down. What difference has God made in my life? What difference has God made in the way that I think? What difference is the way that God has made in how I spend my money? What difference has God made in my marriage? And look for opportunities to just share that with someone. Whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a coworker, whether it's somebody like, be willing to just simply say, God has made a big difference in my life. Like, that may be the boldest thing you do all year. But my hope is, is that we begin to walk in boldness. Maybe it's that you, you know, you read your Bible and you see all these really cool verses that God does something in your heart with. Share it with somebody. The bold thing, it could just be that you write it down and you hand it to a coworker and say, this is something that really helps me on a bad day. Like, that may be a profoundly bold thing for you. 
But I think for, for me, what, I, what I've come to is that I need to start walking out in boldness. Um, what if you ask someone, what's going on in your life? Can I pray for you? To me, I remember how uncomfortable I felt. I was with a group of guys. We were at a restaurant. A waitress was coming by to take our order. And one of the guys I was with said, excuse me, ma'am, we're going to pray for our meal in just about a minute or two. But I wanted to ask you, can we pray for you? What, what would you like us to pray for you for when we pray here in just a minute? And she started bawling. She sat down at the table, which is probably not something she's supposed to do as a waitress. She sat down at the table and she just started opening her heart of the stuff that was going on in her life. And there we were and we prayed for her. And I remember, honestly, I was like, this is like super uncomfortable. Like she's going to get fired and we're going to be in trouble and we're going to have to try to help her find a new job. And like, I was just kind of flipped out by it. But the boldness that these friends of mine just showed me was powerful. But I think it makes a huge impact if you just go up to somebody and say, hey, can I pray for you? What can I pray for you for? I have found in the times when I have done that or when someone else has done that, even the people who seem to be the most opposed to God can come up with something they want prayer for. Rarely did anyone say, nope, don't want prayer. There were a couple times. But maybe boldness for you is, maybe you would do something like that. Maybe like, I'd feel comfortable asking somebody to, to pray if they wanted me to pray for them, and then I would just go home and not pray for them. Uh, so maybe that next step of being bold is asking it and then saying, okay, I'm going to pray for you right now. I think boldness um, can even, you know, one of the reasons we have this microphone is, is one, because we feel like God teaches all of us. He, he uses his word to open our hearts, and, and we are a family, and so we want each other, we want to be able to share with each other what God is teaching us. But one of the other reasons is because you, it's very hard to learn to be bold with people you don't know if you can't learn to be bold with your family. Does that make sense? And so one of the reasons why we have this microphone is so that you have the ability to come before the people who know you, who love you, who care about you, who agree with you, and you to share something that God is teaching you and for them to be like, yes, this is good. There's someone who, 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 is, who, who has come to the greenhouse who I remember one of the first times they, they came forward to share at the mic, and, and there might be several of you who are like, that was probably me. But you, the, the person came up and it was like this, trying to just read the verse that God has put on their heart. But you know what I've seen over the past several years is this person has become much, much, much more bold. And oftentimes we, we aren't bold because we don't just start walking out in that. And so that's one of the reasons why we have the microphone is so we can learn to speak the truth to even those who love us and care, us, care about us and accept us so that it makes it even easier when we have to go share it with the people who won't agree with it. Maybe... Um, Boldness for you is getting into a group um, of people where you have friends like they have friends. Friends who say to you, I think you're listening to your flesh rather than to the Spirit. Friends who say, listen, God is sovereign. God has a plan. God wants to use this hard trial in your life to test your faith. And so let's encourage you to keep going, to keep the faith. To, you know, like, and, and so a bold thing may be being willing to put yourself in a position where you have friends that point you in the right direction. Maybe that's through house church. Maybe it's through something else. But 
I think that God could use that in powerful ways for us um, to lead us to be more bold despite threats, despite being warned, despite any type of persecution or uncomfort that we have. Maybe um, it's that you have someone who you know and you just simply ask them, hey, you find the right time, you say, can, can, I, can I just ask you, like, what do you think about God? And then you just shut your mouth and you just listen. For me, I think oftentimes boldness is me telling everybody what they need to think or what they need to hear, rather than just being quiet and listening. But I have found in the very few times where I keep my mouth shut and listen that you can learn a whole lot that God can use for you later when he gives you the opportunities to be bold. And oftentimes if someone sits there and talks to you for quite some period of time, they'll eventually ask you, well, what do you think? Maybe you're like, man, all those things sound a little too harsh, too, a little too hard for me to do. My prayer is that all of us, that these would just be normal. This would just be everyday life like it, like it becomes for these disciples as you read through the book of Acts. This is just everyday stuff. But I was even thinking, you know, today um, is a day that we celebrate Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus rides in on a colt and everybody says, Hosanna, Hosanna. He's, it's kind of him like announcing himself as king. And that's what we celebrate today. And then on Friday, we celebrate the day that Jesus is, is killed and he dies on the cross. But then next Sunday, we celebrate Easter, the day that he rose from the dead. And so maybe even something bold is just to, and to encourage someone to go to church next week and to hear the message of Jesus. And maybe that's here. Maybe it's another church. I, but it doesn't necessarily matter to me, but, but to me, figure out a, a way to encourage someone to hear the gospel. That can be a step of boldness. And, and speaking of next week, next week obviously is Easter. It's usually a week that's much more crowded. If you are a very regular attender here and you see that it, you're, it's pretty crowded in here, I would ask you that you maybe be willing to get, a, get your seat to somebody else and stand in the back or something like that. Um, if you hear kids going insanely crazy, maybe you ask, uh, does anybody else need any help in the kids area? Um, but I think um, next week, I've, ha I've been asked several times, are we having a Good Friday service or anything? And, and we're not. We're going to have our typical Sunday morning service for Easter, um, typical 1030. Um, Randy asked me to also mention before I forget that, that, that he won't have kind of that guys group that meets um, next week encourage people to be with their family. But, but all that to say, I think that one of the things that I took away from this text is that I want to be a person who walks it out, who walks out boldness. And I think that there's ways that all of us could begin to take steps of being more bold as we pray, God, make me want to be more bold. The second kind of takeaway that I had is that I need to surround myself with friends who will challenge and encourage me like these people did. I need people who will tell me, listen to the coach. Listen to, listen to God the Father. Listen to the Spirit. And let me pray for you for boldness. Let me, let me challenge and encourage you. And I, I think I was, as I was reading through different stuff this week, I read this quote that said, like, it was something along the lines of Christians are by far stronger in groups. Like, I think oftentimes we kind of want to be um, Rambo Christian, going by ourselves. I'll take care of it. I'll do it. We need to have close, intimate relationships where people challenge and encourage us to keep going. I need that. 
We all need that. And so for me, ways that my takeaways from this text is to walk out boldness as I'm praying for boldness. My other takeaway was that I need to surround myself with friends who will challenge and encourage me. You know, think of the story in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you know the story, like, they needed each other. Um, I also, my kind of third takeaway is I need to be that kind of friend to others. I think that there's times where even in close friendships where I feel like I should be bold, but man, I don't want to say something that hurts their feelings or that offends them. I don't want to just say like, and there's been rare occasions where I've done this, but there was one particular time where Sarah, um, she doesn't do this often, by the way, but where she was just going off about somebody in our life. And he does this and he does that and he won't this and he won't that. And it was really difficult for me to do it, but I looked at her, I said, you're done. Stop. And believe it or not, she listened. Was, <laughs> like, whoa. Maybe I should try that with other things. Like, put my shoes on. No. Um, I, th- I, I think that's, I, I, <laughs> I think that's why she did listen, because I don't do things like that, right? But are we friends to each other? When, we, when we're in a group of friends and um, someone starts gossiping, do we join right in or do we just say, hey, I just want to challenge us to not do this? One of the things that I, um, I have heard Sarah say to other people, um, not while I was there, but in, in passing, is that she'd be in a group of women and women would be kind of bashing their husbands because some of us husbands are slow and we don't always do the things that we should do. And so she'd be in a group of people that were kind of bashing their husbands. And Sarah has been the one that says, guys, I don't think what we're doing is healthy. What is our favorite thing about our husband? What are the ways that, they, that our husbands do serve and love and protect and encourage? And... But I, my takeaways were to be bold as I walk out this boldness, to, be, to, to surround myself with friends, but also to be the friend that points people to listen to the Lord. Um, I want to close with two verses. Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us. We will have trials. It will be hard. And I I think it's going to get a lot worse in our lifetime. But there is a surpassing greatness that is yet to come. And whatever happens on this life means very little compared to what will happen for all of eternity. And I have to remind myself of that as I walk out trying to listen to the Spirit rather than just listen to my flesh. And the second verse is also Romans. I was kind of camped out in Romans this past week. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. The things that happen in your life, you may not feel like they're good, but God is using those things for His good which ultimately leads to our good. Um, my hope and my prayer is, is that we as a group of people, that we will have friends that point us to Jesus, that, that encourage us to listen to the Spirit, and that we would begin to be a people, if we're not already, that truly start to walk out this boldness. Um, they prayed for boldness, and the room shook. I would love to be in, in and with a group of people that we pray for boldness and the room shakes. Let's pray. God, I, um, 
pray that um, this room would shake even now. Because the fact that you have um, done something in our hearts to remind us of how amazing Jesus is to die on the cross for our sins, to radically change our lives. We were like that lame man who had nothing to offer, and you have radically and drastically changed our lives for those of us who are in you. And so, God, I pray that this room would shake and that we would be a people who are willing and ready to go out in boldness. And I pray that no matter where each of us are in this room that know you, if the boldest thing we could possibly imagine is to just have a conversation with our spouse about God, I pray that that would be the start. I pray that you'd continue to make us a people who are more and more bold because we have a God who is more and more and more powerful than we can even imagine. God, I thank you for Jesus who rode in on that donkey to announce himself king. And I pray that if there's anyone here who, who struggles with being bold because they don't know that king, I pray that today would be the day that they would know that king and that that king would radically and drastically change their life. God, for those of us who know you, who say, I believe, but help my unbelief, help us to believe more and more in how powerful and amazing and holy and righteous and wonderful you are, that we would just be bold wherever it is that we go. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.